Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service held on May the 15th, 2022. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. Trusting in God's forgiveness, let us now in silence confess our failings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. We say together, come home to ourselves and to each other. May all that is unfree in us be released and may we blossom into a future graced with love. Amen. is Acts chapter 11, verses 1 to 18. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, by no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea 
arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced and they praised God saying, then God has given even to Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Today's Gospel is taken from John chapter 13. Glory, Glory to Christ, Christ our Saviour. <clears throat> when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, no, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the gospel, good news for all. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Loving God, gracious Father, open our ears to hear your word, our minds to seek your will, and our eyes to see your glory. Amen. Amen. 
The um, welcome, or not, of refugees from the Ukraine, and less recently, Afghanistan, reminds me of a, a story from the 70s of a little church in a town in Mississippi who heard about the plight of Vietnamese refugees looking to settle in the United States. And they agreed to be a host congregation. They bought a small house and uh, painted and cleaned it up and furnished it and put food in the kitchen, and the family came. And at first, the congregation was warm and accepting, but <clears throat> they quickly came to recognize that these people were different. They spoke a funny language. They wore unusual clothes. They ate strange food. They were Buddhist. It was hard to get over some of the barriers um, between them. And over time, fewer and fewer people stopped, uh, stopped by to visit them. All except one a dear lady whose name was Evelyn. Um, several times a week, Evelyn would faithfully go by and visit this family. She did not have to do that. No one would have thought less of her if, if she too had stopped visiting. But there was something different um, about Evelyn. She looked at this family through, through different eyes, uh, and that enabled her to see them in a different way. Evelyn could see that these people were no different from us. In fact, they were just like us, people hungry for love, people eager to hear some good news. Still, I'm left with the question, why is it so hard for most of the rest of us to overcome the barriers that separate us from those who are different or foreign or other? The question arises in our story from Acts and Peter's momentous meeting with a Roman centurion. The story of Cornelius, which ends with Peter's speech to the assembly at Jerusalem, is the longest narrative in Acts, a seven-act drama of 66 verses. And in it, Luke tells of a crucial moment in the history of the church, a turning point, a fork in the road, when walls come tumbling down to mix my metaphors. Uh, now, Peter is usually portrayed as quite a strong, if impulsive and possibly unstable character. He gets a lot right, but he gets a lot wrong. This shall never happen to you, Lord. Or shall we build three booths up here for you and Moses and Elijah? And I will never deny you. But here he gets it completely right. After it has to be said, some pretty big signposts. His vision of the enormous sheet coming down in front of him, teeming with creatures both clean and unclean, or as uh, my grandchildren would say, oh, sweet and ugh, gross. <laughs> but uh, God says to Peter, sacrifice, kill, eat. Never, he says. Don't call profane what I say is sacred, says God, and three times this happens. So, Peter, rather softened up, one imagines, but brilliantly makes the connection between this vision and the appearance just then of some non-Jews who arrive at his door and invite him home for tea, uh, which is, of course, totally forbidden. Perhaps in our liberal 
secular, multicultural, tolerant society, we underestimate just what a huge deal this is for him. But he agrees to go. The dividing walls have been weakened. And he goes with them to Caesarea, and he meets the soldier Cornelius, the co-star of this story, who warmly and humbly welcomes Peter into his home. And Peter has hardly started sharing the good news of Jesus, the anointed one, when pow, the Holy Spirit comes on the household to erupt in praise and goodness knows what else, just like on the day of Pentecost. And the walls are seriously undermined. Now, Peter, of course, has to go to Jerusalem and report this to head office, though the news has already reached there that he had sat down and eaten with Gentiles. Now, there was also the rumor that these uh, lesser breeds without the law, as they thought of them, had received the word of God. But that was way outside the power of their imagination. Easier to stick with criticizing a brother. Now, to, to be fair to them, eating a meal together was a central act of worship in the Christian church, the Eucharist, the fellowship meal. It bound participants together. It reduced, it defanged the distinctions between people. And in the power of and tradition of Jewish mealtimes, it bonded them as family before God. The words sacred tradition hardly begin to describe it. And the thought of eating together with non-Jews, well, very likely some of the first century Christians could be heard whispering those time-honored seven last words of the church. We've never done it that way before. <laughs> Peter's testimony, however, is powerful and it's irrefutable. The spirit blows through the meeting in Jerusalem. The apostles have no further objections and they praise God saying, God has granted repentance that leads to life, even to the Gentiles. The walls came tumbling down. Now it's been said, had the church chosen to travel instead down the narrow sectarian road, it may well have disappeared from world history or remained only another kind of Judaism. Instead, the church was set on a course that would change it and the world. Now, I do not want to sound naive or simplistic about walls tumbling down. They can come tumbling down, but too often we see them being freshly built or horribly fortified, even in the church, maybe especially in the church. Second order, minor differences can turn to rancorous disagreements and some walls that divide in family, in church, and society have been built over long periods. Ancient injustices and the bitterness of resentment cannot just be wished away. Mark Oakley, the Dean of uh, St. Paul's Cathedral in London, told a powerful story in BBC Sunday Worship last week. He'd, he'd been brought up by his grandparents, he said, and he knew his grandfather had been in the RAF in the Second World War, but never spoke about it. Just once he was weeping and mentioned Dresden. Well, the young Mark only found out later what that meant. But anyway, not long ago, Mark had been invited to Dresden 
and asked to preach at the reconstructed Frauenkirche, reduced to rubble in the bombing. And his grandfather was in his mind as he went. And at the end of his visit in a taxi to the station, the driver asked him why he was here. I had always wanted to come. Why? He took a deep breath and he told him, my grandfather was a navigator on a Lancaster bomber. And on the 14th of February, 1945, he flew here as part of a bombing raid and could never talk to me about it. The taxi driver was silent for a moment and then said, that was the night my mother was killed in that bombing. And then the driver pulled over. He turned off the engine. He turned around and he put out his arm. And now you and I shake hands. Smiling, he took Mark's hand. Well, that man knew the facts, Mark said. He knew the horrors of the night. He had lived his loss. He learned about the thousands dead. But he knew more. He had become wise. He knew that walls must come tumbling down. So what are dividing walls that we as a church are being called to challenge? What new thing might God be doing through us here in Leith and the walls that are here? What groups or communities are we being called to include, to welcome, to pray for, to join? Now I know that peace building and conflict transformation require persistence, hard work, and an imaginative leap to see from the perspective of the other. So we do what we can at different levels of community and society to reach out, to encourage dialogue, to foster meetings where the humanity of the other can be embraced. The hashtag be kind has a part to play and so do fact checking and responsible truth-based news media and we have our parts to play, welcoming the stranger, increasing our diversity, becoming visible among the communities of Leith, such as our stall at the Leith Gala, he said, making a none too subtle appeal for help on that day, <laughs> and praying against the walls that divide Christians and divide us from other people of faith. As I said, I do not want to sound naive or simplistic, but let me finally draw attention to the chief actor of the drama in Acts chapters 10 and 11, which is God speaking to Cornelius and to Peter in vivid visions, arranging an extraordinary invitation and visiting upon the centurion's house ecstatic praise and perhaps most miraculously blowing through Peter's meeting in Jerusalem and convincing them all that God was indeed doing a new thing, something utterly inconceivable to them. God is the one who wants to do inconceivable and unimaginable things. As Ukrainian and other refugees arrive, God wants to give more people the gift and the vision that 
Evelyn had, visiting a refugee family. God wants to dissolve hatred and bitterness as could have gripped Mark Oakley's taxi driver in Dresden. As in Ian's gospel in chairs last week, and a wonderful explanation of the restorative model of atonement, the final emphasis was on God's action, wasn't it? God's initiative, God's love for us. There is nowhere, I think you said, that God's love cannot be. God never turns God's back on us. And when the Spirit of God is blowing, walls come tumbling down. May we have ears to see, ears to hear, hands to take part. In Jesus' name, amen. we come to our prayers you may want to uh, just close your eyes with some music in the background and uh, as we reflect on some of the things that um, Jeffrey's brought to us in the scriptures and as we turn now to prayer there'll be an opportunity later on for those who want to it's optional um, to be able to come here to the front there's a table um, where you can light a candle where you'll be able to uh, just release a stone as a way of releasing some prayers that might be on your heart or taking a nation suite um, and I'll guide you through that. So as I said, don't worry, we'll uh, um, uh, just lead you through those uh, particular sessions, but let's just pray as we come before God. We often wonder where Christ is today. Where is he present? Where can we find him? And that question was asked also by those who said, when did we find you hungry? When were you a stranger? He said, as much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. May we see the face of Jesus in the refugee. May we see the face of Jesus in the homeless, the single parents, those on the margins of our society. May we take steps, small steps sometimes, of just friendship and speak a language that everyone can understand, that language of love, of God's amazing love that breaks down those walls. Peter began to see people as God saw them, not as the Jews saw them, not as the world and everybody else saw them, but as God saw them. Created in his image, 
as one people, yet with such diversity, such beauty, that we can embrace. As you come to the table in a few minutes, you'll find some little tea lights there on either side and take a tea light and light it from one of the other candles, maybe the main one in a few minutes. And pray for those walls to come down where there is hostility, where there is division in this world. Pray for peacemakers to be able to stand, to understand both sides of the conflict. Pray for peacemakers in the Ukraine. Peacemakers in North India, in Kashmir. Peacemakers here in the UK, in Scotland, amongst the different diverse communities and those that are working with them. In our community here in Leith, May we welcome and break those walls amongst those who are from the Sudanese community, the Polish community, and other communities that are gathered here. May we also pray for that peace, that shanti, that shalom, in each and every one of our homes and our families where there is conflict, there has been division. As you light that candle, think of your own families or maybe other families that you're aware of that need to come together. Let's pray for healing. As you take a Asian suite in a few minutes, pray for those, the, those who are broken. God is close to the brokenhearted. Those who are broken over the loss of a loved one. Those that are broken of the loss of a relationship. Those that are broken because the loss of income and employment. Those that are broken because of the loss of a home are homeless. As you take an Asian suite in a few minutes, pray for the brokenhearted in our communities, that God's sweetness and hope and joy would come to them. Pray also for wisdom as you take one of those small stones and you release it in the bowl with the floating candles. Release those prayers. Pray for God's people, for his church, for wisdom, for peace, that shalom, that shanti in his church. Pray for those in government that there will be people of peace then, that God will give them wisdom, discernment, and understanding 
and for those at Holyrood here that lead. Let's pray for ourselves for wisdom day by day in the path that God has called us to and the decisions that we have to make, the uncertainty sometimes, and we're not sure which path to take, what to do or what to say and what not to say. As you take a stone, hold it in your hand and pray, and then let go into the bowl with the floating candles. Let go and release it to God. Put it into his hand, out of your small hand, into his mighty loving hand that you can trust. As you hold uh, a tea light in a minute, as you light it from one of the other candles, just hold it and pray that prayer of peace. As you take a sweet, be still, be in the present moment and taste it and pray for those people, the brokenhearted, for that sweetness into their lives, into their homes, into their communities. For those who want it, can I encourage you to do one of those things, all of those things, or maybe none of those things. sweet let us end those prayers with the New Zealand Anglican Lord's Prayer let's say together eternal spirit earth maker pain bearer life giver source of all that is and that shall be father and mother of all loving God whom is heaven a hallowing of your name echo the universe. The ways of your justice be followed to the peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on With the bread we need today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb one another, give us. In times of temptation and strength, strengthen us. From trials too great endure and spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. You reign in the glory of our love, now and forever. Amen.